Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I've got $5 and a clothespin. And I'm Steve Austin Bischamp. <laughs> Bischamp. <laughs> Welcome to episode 170, ECW Hardcore TV. Woo! No tagline. No, no tagline for nope. this. It's hardcore. This is the 132nd episode of Hardcore TV, produced by ECW. It would take place on October 28th, 1995, from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They've done enough episodes to get into syndication. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 135. 135. 130, oh yeah. 32. 32. 32. Oh, wow. Damn, well, well, there'll be a lot. That's a whole lot of Philly. But the show itself, and the one you want to look for on the network, is on October 31st. Good old Halloween in Philly. Uh, I was going to try to think of like a Halloween, hardcore Halloween. I mean, if we go with ECW, then it would be October to Obliviate. Ooh, good. Obliterate? Obliterate. That's probably the, that's actually the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. both work. Obliterate sounds a little more violent. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they got. I mean, November to. I mean, I guess November, November to remember is not really violent. December to dismember. December to dismember. You got to get the last three months. Uh, October to obliterate. But there's, there's, it's got to be a bird like October. Yeah, obliteration in October. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, you know, we had fun with it. <laughs> yeah. So Shane, what Philly snack did you bring us this time? Well, looks like a sweet treat. It is. I love a sweet sweet treat, especially on Halloween. The uh, box of Philly goodies that I got are coming to play again here. We have, courtesy of Asher's Chocolate Company. It's the same company that made our our crunch, wasn't it? I can't remember if this was the same. I don't think this is the same (laughs) one. This is just... Another Philly snack company okay. because I ordered from the like an outlet, the phillysnacks.com, yeah. and they just it's a different a variety of stuff. Sure. This looks much fancier. Yes, uh, it comes in a, a nice little. It's like a coffee bag. What's this? Oh, okay. There's a little. It's like a, a unboxing or an unbagging right here. Oh. A little tray pulls out. Delicious. Uh, we have some milk chocolate animal crackers, courtesy oh, of Asher's snap. Chocolate Company. Uh, as it says on here, some animal crackers for this animal cracker. Crowd. I was just like, when we're all white. <laughs> as it says on the back of the bag here, it all started with First Asher's Confectionery Store, 5623 Main Street in Philadelphia, PA. The glass front display enticed passers by with a veritable cornucopia of delectable treats, the kind that would. Tickle the palates of those with the most cultured tastes. Five generations later, the passion to be a purveyor of the finest chocolate and the classic confection continues today. Asher's Chocolate Co. Family owned since 
1892. I imagine it to be like the uh, candy shop in um, Willy Wonka. Why can't I remember the name of the movie? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Is that, what, is that what, I guess that's what the movie's called? That's the original movie. <laughs> yeah, the, the original. Book, the Charlie book is, and the Chocolate Factory? The book Factory? is yeah. called Charlie Okay, yeah, Factory. yeah, yeah. I mean, the original movie's the good one, great yes. movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah. The other one stinks. We've got some milk chocolate covered uh, animal crackers. Yeah, you know, remember the the mother's animal crackers that were the white ones with the sprinkles on them? Yes. The my sister always so loved good. those. They made my mouth kind of waxy, but I liked them. But I didn't like the waxy thing. So I'm interested to see Jeez. And plus, dark chocolate. Any kind of cho- real chocolate's better than white chocolate. It's just not even real. Mm-hmm. The cracker's really just there for the crunch. Yep. You just don't taste it at all. Yeah, I like the it's idea of taking something that's... The chocolate is good. That's not sweet, or like particularly sweet, and then covering it up in chocolate. Get a nice crunch. This would be good with tea or coffee. Coffee for sure. Rinse away some of that chocolate. Mm-hmm. Oh. Chocolate oh, milk, even. A chocolatey crunch. It reminds me of a, <clears throat> the. I love the the M and M's with the crispy shit in the middle. This is definitely a, a bigger step up from that, but it reminds me of that. I love that shit. Have you ever tried those? Is it PBR, coffee beer things? Oh, I haven't. They taste like chocolate milk. I think that would be really good with these. Huh? Like Maybe. it's one of those that. I mean, yeah. There's there's no beer flavor to it whatsoever. It just tastes like I saw it. And I was or like, Yoo-hoo P- or something like that. Coffee PBR sounds horrendous, but no, it's it's very very easy to drink. Hmm. I'll give it a shot yeah. out of curiosity. I might have to bring one one time. I don't know where they're made at. We'll find out where PBR is. Uh... I feel like I should know this considering I've drank and drank so much of it. Uh-huh. It's not Milwaukee, right? I hope not. I don't know. Milwaukee. I mean. You'd think, it, you'd think it would be Milwaukee's Best. I mean, I loved Milwaukee's Best as a uh, 21-year-old. The Beast. I always called it The Beast. That's what it was. It was cheap. It tasted like all the other stuff. At least I thought so. Yeah, and I just made the wrong way of looking it up. I typed in PBR and it's blowing up fucking bull riding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, we'll just save that for another time. <laughs> well, the same week as this episode of Hardcore TV, Wonderwall would hit the airwaves. Oasis' first single to track in the United States, making it all the way to number eight. Off their second album, their best album, and uh, I would say that I prefer Champagne Supernova as far as ballads. Maybe that's because this one's overplayed. I prefer... Oh, what the hell is the song called? Slip Inside the Eyes of My... Oh, you know, you um, better, don't look back in anger. There we go. I mean, that's the best Oasis song, hands down. <laughs> yes, that's that's my my jam. That's the one for sure. That's my karaoke song, even. Oh, really? That's a good karaoke song. What oh, a good yeah. fucking song. I mean, any Oasis song is technically a good karaoke song because I love doing Wonderwall. Oh yeah, you you can't go wrong with Oasis. I mean, you can, I suppose. I mean, the but... first three, first the second album is really great. The third album has a bunch of good songs on it. The first one is just kind of like a rock record, and it didn't really mm-hmm. stick with me. But the second album is a classic for a reason, and if it wasn't for that second album, Oasis would never be the, as big of a band as they ended up being. But And they'd be even bigger if the brothers could get along. <laughs> True. Mm-hmm. And not, not everything's meant to last forever. But if they got along, we might not have Shameless. We might not have all these other things that were you know, named after the Gallagher's or... 
Yeah. I really don't need Noah Gallagher's Flying Birds. I need more Oasis. Oh, that's his name of his other band. That stinks. Yes. Bad name. Flying right. Birds? Yeah, I believe so. They uh, straight out of Matt Riddle's ass. Wow. Remember when they did the bird thing? They still do that? Oh, they're doing all kinds of stupid shit now. Mm. He had a kangaroo stampede or something like that the last time he kicked off his flip-flops. Because, you know, nothing says flip-flops like kangaroos. We're all here to endorse uh, the second Oasis album and uh, to kick off our flip-flops <laughs> as we dive headfirst mm-hmm. into this episode of Hardcore Noah Gall- Noel- TV. Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. Okay. Mm. I, I forgot the high part. I mean, he's at least got the name in there. Get the high part right. Noel Gallagher. <laughs> I don't remember which one's I on don't, drugs. I don't care for that one. Uh, Liam's band, Beady Eye, though, pretty good. Hmm. Right. I haven't listened to either one of them, so I might have to check them out. Cause at least personal preference. Person preference, yeah. yeah you yeah. might like High Flying Birds. But... I'll probably just stick to this record. What's the story, Morning Glory? Uh, it's a pretty good well, story. It's a tale, Nightingale. But yeah, yeah. But when it all comes down to it, the lesson to be learned is to not look back in anger. That's right. And, you know, if you want to make a million dollars or however many millions they've made, fight with your brother on stage. If you have a brother. I was really surprised that this Wonderwall only made it to number eight. As That's where much, it topped as out as much as it was played. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's better than better to to uh, have staying power than to burn out. But they had some serious competition around the same time too, because oh, totally. rock music existed at this point in time. Well, ninety five was a big year for a lot of female artists. They were they were finally taking our, their their place back to the top. Your Lilith Fairs, you have your Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill that had dropped not too long before then that was building more momentum. My, you know, my, uh, stealing the, not really stealing, but securing the spot at the top. Yeah, my beautiful Melissa Etheridge, I believe, was 93 for that for that one. Um, <laughs> I think other Lilith Fair artists. I mean, we've talked about them in, in past episodes, but you know, Seal, Kiss from a Rose had come out not yeah. too long before then, and you, know, you had all these other big hits that were... Yeah. Wonder Stomping out the British invasion. Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, they were definitely the biggest of that uh, '90s British to British rock bands to cross over in the United States on the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, because totally. there was, I mean, so many bands: Elastica and uh, Stone Roses and Blur, of course, which is probably the second biggest one to cross over on American radio, uh, as far as the the like second British invasion or whatever they call it. I don't know. I like a lot of those bands. I don't really love any of them, but I've listened to all their classic albums. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is good, but it's not the, a thing that, you know, really grabbed me uh, the way that it grabbed a lot of people. This is where we need um, Music Damon. That's his bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and talk some hardcore TV. Did we open with Beulah sitting in a hotel room, where she says, Welcome to Beulah's box. Ha <laughs> ha! This week, my box is going to get its fill of a big stick of dynamite. She's talking about a dick in her butt. TNT, you never know when it's going to explode. And best of all, it's live. We then see Steve Austin... Is she talking about... Putting a live stick of dynamite in her vagina. I think she's talking about nitro. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was thinking about Buell's box. 
Steve Austin's then shown with a dark hair wig on when he welcomes us to Monday NyQuil, where the big boys play with each other. <laughs> I apologize about the balloons, but I had to fire the pyrotechnician guy because he couldn't show up. I did it over the phone, no less. On my right here tonight is Bongo. How you doing? The brain couldn't be here tonight, so I had my secretary leave a message on his answering machine. And when he calls me, I'm going to fire him too. Just like I did Austin. Because that's the way I deal with people. I'm not a very brave man, and that's the bottom line. <gasps> Big show tonight. If you are watching another channel, get over here. And if you're thinking about watching another wrestling promotion, don't do it. Because this is the only one that is live. Big main event. Never been seen before. Right here on Monday NyQuil. <laughs> here tonight, a bottle of Geritol on a pole match. Yes. You will see all the old codgers here in our organization. Scrapping around and using their walkers. Trying to keep their dentures in. This is the bottom line. We're number one. And I repeat that I already fired the brain over the phone. Oh yeah, this is where the big boys play with each other. Oh yeah, did I tell you we're number one? Cameraman is telling me we have to go to a break. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know the names of any of the holds. But I'm going to sit here and fumble around. If I don't put you to sleep, the matches probably will. So bear with us. This is Monday NyQuil. And we're live. Dang. Austin. He said bottom line. I popped for bottom line. Uh, I popped for Geritol on a pole. I popped for the whole thing. I literally was watching this and I was just like, my God. Oh my God. Like, this is the best. So that makes me wonder then did Bobby just get fired? I was thinking that. No. Okay. He's just, he's just, yeah. He's, I mean, he's obviously, you know, As they brought talking up old, about himself and yeah, he's old talking, Bongo. talking about how he got fired, basically. Well, yeah, no, I knew that part, but yeah. yeah. He, he mentioned the brain and then he was talking about old Bongo Mongo, so I thought maybe this is where they cut Bobby and he's just ripping on it. And when he calls Bongo, when he says that, there's actually a set of Bongos on the yes. table. Yes. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's more than, it's more than words. <laughs> But then we go to a new opening video package with letters spelling out extreme with highlights of competitors. And Joey Styles welcomes us to the show. We will see the Pitbulls in action tonight. And we will also see Mikey and Public Enemy training for his title shot. He then promotes November to Remember and the matches we will see there. And then after a commercial, we come back to Steve Austin Bischoff. If you went to sleep like I did, if it wasn't me, it was the match. I know it was boring, just like everything we do is boring. But next week, we will be here live, where the big boys play with each other. And then Austin yawns before falling asleep. Uh, and uh, Joey did let us know that this ladder match, we're not hanging anything from the ceiling. We don't, do that. we don't do that in ECW. No, yeah, no Geritol on a pole. I mean, at this point, I'd like to see Chris Jericho hanging on a pole. That's just personal preference. I'd just like to see Chris Jericho. Don't talk bad about the wizard. <laughs> I've had enough of the wizard. That leads us right to our first match. The Pitbulls of number one and number two with Francine versus the Broad Street Bully and Don E. Allen. So, last time 
We, we saw Donnie saw the, Allen. We saw the pit bulls. Just kidding. They just won the top tag team belts. Like, as they should, in a good match. And after that, Francine had decided to be with some winners. So she's now with the Pitbulls. I mean, she looks like a winner. She deserves to be with some winners. Pitbulls look like winners. Yeah, but they then, do. they went and lost the belts back to Raven and Stevie. Uh-oh. But, and then, Raven and Stevie lost them to Public Enemy in a three-way dance. So. That's those, where we are. <laughs> those, that's where those tag belts are and why they're not around the Pitbulls' waist <sighs> while we're watching this show. Would you call that a shame? I'd call that a shame. <laughs> Might call it one. So the Pitbulls go right to work on the Bully and Allen. As number two press slams and clotheslines the Bully out to the floor, while number one hook kicks Allen. The Pitbulls then superbomb Dom E for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Donnie Allen is up to four ninety nine on the Pro Wrestling Illustrated rank. That's why he's out of five hundred. Out of five hundred, uh, you know. Wow. I know. That was... I don't even know if that's true, but it is funny. <laughs> Post-match, Jason Knight, the sexiest man on earth, comes out to the ring and takes the mic, putting over how well the Pitbulls have done since he sold their contracts to Richards. He continues that they should ditch the prostitute and take him back, which causes Francine to try to get her hands on Jason, but she's held back, allowing the sexiest man on earth to kick her. The Eliminators then run into the ring to attack the Pitbulls with suplexes, chair shots, and a Hurricane Eliminator. Rick Steiner and Taz then run out and make the save with Steiner lines and a DDT to the knee. Yeah, it's good. I just love the Hurricane Eliminator. (laughs) It's such a cool move. Everyone's leaving ringside as we go to commercial. But when we return, the Eliminators run back out to the ring to attack Steiner and the human suplex machine. ECW. Saturn slaps a cross-faced chicken wing on Taz, injuring the neck even further. When the Pitbulls run back out to help with belly-to-belly suplexes, the Eliminators fight back for Cronus to hit a handspring backflip, only to be caught by Rick to be belly-to-belly suplexed as well. Cronus hit the handspring? Who knew? He could move. Perry is then drop-kicked by number two before Steiner lifts him up on his shoulders, allowing number two to come off the top rope with a doomsday device, clearing the ring. The Eliminators still want the Bulls. It's very true. I think they shall have them. And then we get one of my favorite segments once again. Extreme Encyclopedia. Hmm. Sandman. Smokus. Brawlerus. A cigarette smoking, cane swinging, beer drinking, world champion with a propensity for violence. A fighter who has climbed the ladder to the top. Woman. Foxus. Greedious. An aberration of the classic American male fantasy of beauty and servitude. A seductive hench wench. With an appetite for money. Hench wench. I like that. Mikey Whipwreck. Miraculous underdogus. A 19-year-old messenger of improbable upsets. The former ECW TV and tag team champion with Cactus Jack. Tries to use his 188 clean living 
non-smoking, drug and disease-free pounds to beat the nicotine-addicted Sandman. He's only 19 years old, really? Wow. I know. Uh, Mikey, he does look young, but he doesn't look 19. Hmm. Looks like 23. Yeah, I figured he was young, early 20s or something, but wow. Go, Mikey, go. We love him. He's got a new shirt, and I needed the new shirt. They they don't make the new shirt at the moment. It's not in print. It's it's wizard, bright blue wizard shirt. Back to the wizard already, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. A better wizard. (laughs) We then get a screen that says, Dudley, it's not just a name. It's a way of life. We then get Dudley Dudley, Dances with Dudley, Big Dick Dudley, Sign Guy Dudley, and new brother Bubba Ray Dudley. Bubba. Dudley Dudley says they're going to have a special ring announcer at November to remember. And everyone thinks it's me. Because I'm the only one that talks in this group. But that's because Big Dick is too high strung. Sign Guy only works for mutes. And dances with, jumps in with Indian talk. He does like half ass, like, it's like comedy Spanish from like a bad 80s movie. So that's why it's gonna be Bubba Ray. And then Bubba stutters through his lines before showing off some dance moves, causing the group to laugh. Along with the rest of us. I mean, you know. Because it was. Pretty funny. It was funny. He's the most successful Dudley brother. That is true. Yep. We go back to Joey Styles, who talks about the Dudleys and the November to remember some more before sending us to a video package about Mikey Whipwreck, where we see Mikey and Public Enemy walking through Central Park, where they're helping Whipwreck train for his match with Sandman. They're probably more like next to the overpass. (laughs) But maybe they're in Central Park. I mean, they're probably in Philly somewhere. Yeah, yeah, they're just in some woods. Rocco leaves to get some training equipment, so Grunge takes Mikey over to a ladder, which he climbs to grab some beers from a six-pack. Like, we're going to train. From the tree. Go up there and give me one of those beers, Mikey. Yeah. Hey. Whipbrick hands the beers. Hey, 19-year-old, go get me that beer. He just keeps handing the beers to Johnny. (laughs) He does a countdown, but then he just gets rid of the countdown. Every time it comes (laughs) down... Beer's gone. And after about three, Grunge is hammered. And Rock finally shows back up, and Grunge just says that he hates drunks. Oh, yeah. I love Mikey almost breaks. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he does. He almost uh, breaks. Oh, actually breaks. Gotcha. Yeah, it tells Mikey this is definitely the breakfast of champions. He's like, go up there and get me two beers. <laughs> yeah, and, Mike's and Mikey's like, like climbing. He's like, like trying not to laugh. <laughs> And it's not even that tall of a ladder. It's like no. two. It's like two steps for him to get up there. He's like ugh, pulls it. It's just and it's just like a low hanging, like a plastic you know six pack holder, mm-hmm. just like draped over like a weak branch. It's so funny. But after he says that he can't stand a drunk, we get a little bit of uh, something only public enemy can say. I guess you don't have it. I don't. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about either. So. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear nothing at all except for Johnny's breath because he's wasted on beer. I forget that. I forgot that. I mean, that's the that's the the big tagline at the end of this very funny skit. 
Yes. Very silly and funny. I think Grunge might be a better actor than wrestler because he's pretty funny as this fake fake drunk because he's not obviously actually drunk. He didn't drink all those beers uh, that fast. That'd be very hard. All I'm going to say is that you can just tell that everyone in these promos and stuff on this show is having a good time. Having a blast. Like I mean, coming up with this uh, is a good, a good, a funny idea and then pulling it off well makes it even more fun. And they didn't nobody had to blame. But this leads us right into our second match. The Sandman with Woman versus Mikey Whipwreck for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship in a ladder match. Now, this is not your typical ladder match. They're just going to use it as a weapon. There's nothing hanging up. No Teratol on a pole up there. Nope. <laughs> so the champion comes out first. Foreshadowing. Uh, or did he just want a cigarette? I mean, I mean, he gets the Undertaker entrance where just yeah, it's for it's seven minutes of this program. Well, yeah, my notes say cut to uh, Sandy's entrance with woman. See you in eight minutes. <laughs> he climbs the ladder and sits on top of it as he waits for Mikey to come out. But once both men are in the ring, Steve Austin makes his way to the ring taking the mic, saying he never got to climb a ladder like this in WCW, before making fun of both men and doing the same to woman, saying, glad it's not me who married a midget. (laughs) Austin then finishes by challenging the winner of the match, and as he leaves, Sandman attacks Mikey with a can of beer. Oh, my favorite my favorite Steve Austin line here. I see two jabronis and about a $5 piece of ass. And then goes on to say... Austin said jabroni? He said jabroni, which I thought was wow. kind, of, kind of important. I mean, jabroni is the thing that's been We've said before. we got bottom lines, we've got jabronis. Yeah. I'm just going to say that if woman's a $5 piece of trash, here's a 20. Yeah, he said a, he said a $5 piece of ass that... Uh, oh, $5 piece of yeah, ass. Yeah, that, that I might get with uh, if, I, if I had a clothespin. And I was like... I got 20 bucks and I don't want to close it. But I just thought, yeah, it's like, what? I, I mean, he's all over it. He's all over it. It's great. I've always liked Woman. Mm-hmm. Woman actually looks to confront Steve as he's leaving. So he just grabs her and carries her backstage. Throws her over the shoulder. I guess he decided against the clothespin. Sandman then goes to toss Whipwreck into the ladder only for him to slide under and use the ladder to smash the Sandman in the face, sending him out to the floor. Mikey follows out to continue the punishment, slamming his head into the guardrail and the apron before rolling back into the ring, where Sandman slams Whipwreck across the ladder. Sandman then lays the ladder on top of Mikey, followed by a somersault splash from the apron, which causes Whipwreck to roll out to the floor only for Sandman to just throw the ladder from the ring onto Mikey. Which, if I was in the crowd, I'd be like, Mother. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that was a close one, man. But it's hard, cool. Whipwreck reverses an Irish whip, sending Sandman into the guardrail, nailing multiple chair shots before leaping up to the ladder, coming off with a hurricanrana onto the concrete. Oof. I mean, and those chair shots square on the head. I mean, we're in ECW, and you know that they don't really protect themselves. Mikey's delivering some left hands 
when Sandman back body drops him over into the crowd, where they brawl momentarily until Whipwreck is thrown into the ladder. Sandman then pulls the ladder down into the crowd, still straddling the guardrail before rolling back into the ring. So he gets a running start to leap over the ropes to crash into the ladder so that the top half of the ladder smashes Mikey in the face. Ouch. Oh my god! Not the the sweet 19-year-old's face. Whipwreck and the ladder are thrown back into the ring where Sandman slams it onto Mikey before attempting a slingshot elbow drop, only for Whipwreck to move. Mikey gets a several ladder shots into Sandman, busting him open before slamming the ladder onto him and climbing to the top rope for a splash. For the pin and the win. And new! Couldn't be happier. Post-match, Cactus Jack runs out to celebrate with Whipwreck. But once the rest of the locker room shows up, Jack ducks out to avoid any confrontation. Yeah, more baby faces out to celebrate, and, uh, you know, Sandy bleeds to the back days. We then get a screen showing the dates of Sandman's title reign, before a video package showing highlights of that run. Defeats Shane Douglas on April 15th, 1995. It finishes with Sandman and Woman standing in the back, where he says, Now we'll do it my way, as the screen Fades to black. Bum, bum, bum. I mean, uh, yeah. That clip to the really bad song was weird, but fun. Which really bad song was it? I don't know. Okay, It was generic, because they can't play the real... Yeah, I don't know what they actually played, but but this song... It was probably Inner Sandman, because... Yeah, which would have been... Yeah, but this was just like some bad ballady song with like lyrics or whatever. Watch it be Frank Sinatra, My Way. (laughs) It was fine to the moon. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of the Halloween edition of ECW Hardcore TV? Watch it for Austin. Stay for Mikey Whipwreck's uh, win. Watch it twice for both reasons. And you get some bonus public enemy. Yeah, I'll agree with what he said there because... I was a uh, dumbass who watched the wrong show, so this one already sounds like it was way better than the one that I watched, because the one that I watched was kind of a replay show showing Gangsta's Paradise and some other bullshit. There's not a whole lot here, but like Mikey Whipwreck winning is awesome. The ladder match isn't bad. It's very ECW. Yeah, it's ECW very much. So. Yeah, but just like for the the promos and stuff, like just a good good time and. I think it's like a forty-five minute show, but it yeah, it's forty-two yeah. minutes. Probably it feels like, it feels like fifteen because it's just so quick and entertaining. Yeah. I mean, like you said, super fun promo work in the show. We get the crowning of the first ever ECW Triple Crown winner. How crazy! Is I know. That? I mean, I just love Mikey Whipwreck so much, and I love that they did the right thing by yep. being like this guy's over. We built him well, and Literally, people love him. What more do you need in an hour of TV? I mean, yeah. Okay. The only shame is that he couldn't have won it on a big show, but I feel like they did it pretty well here. Hey, he did it his way. He did it his way. From from uh, yeah, from losing every match to winning by fluke to beating the Sandman in a ladder match. 
to being the I little mean, guy who, you know, on. Jason just kept trying to go after it and go after it and go after yeah. and go after it and, go after it and here he is. This is textbook Top underdog. Top of the ladder, shit. baby. Yeah, it's good. And Mikey, legitimately, you see him get better as he progresses through uh, ECW. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. I mean, we only have two matches on the show, so we're just going to kind of throw everything, anything that you really liked, didn't like. I mean, performer is a tie between Austin and Mikey because Mikey won the belt, but Austin is just honing his skills. as hell. I mean, you see, you see so much Stone Cold here. Yes. It's like a leather jacket away. Like I said, while, while we were going through it. A leather vest away, I'm sorry. Extreme Encyclopedia. It's, we love it. It's one of my favorite things that they do yep. on this. I think the introduction of Bubba Ray is is fun. It is it is fun, and it plays... Oh. It's a good setup for the next show, where it becomes staple of the yeah. show. Like, And we'll see that like he gets over immediately, yes. which I don't understand how or why, but it is pretty cool. Way, Charisma, personality. Got, got over yeah, I mean, we. I don't. I understand nine one one less, but hey, yeah, it is what it is. This crowd knows what they like. You got that personality coming out there that isn't afraid to talk shit to the people immediately. Yeah, and it's and also, but like nine one one has the not really per- even talk shit to ha- him. Though. Yeah, has the personality of Roadkill. Yeah, so he's just a big. Don't dude. talk bad about Roadkill. Who's Roadkill? Oh, he, you, you'll meet Roadkill in a few years. Oh, uh, okay. There's actually a wrestler named Roadkill. There should, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Uh, disappointing for me, the whole tag team brawl thing that happened after the first Pitbulls match. Like, it's unuseless. It's yeah. just like every tag team coming. I mean... They're just trying to do the... They're just, keep, they're just keeping... Ta- uh, and the Pitbulls eliminators. Plate spinning. That's okay. The word I'm like, yes. what are we going for there? Matt spinning plates with his hands. <laughs> spinning plates with my hands. I mean, that's what they're uh-huh. doing. It was a Just... full, uh, full uh, basketball halftime show over here. Anything surprising? I mean, I guess Mikey went. I mean, yeah, Mikey went in the belt. I, I knew didn't... Mikey was going to win it at some point. I just didn't know when. I, yeah. I didn't know all these years that Mikey Whipperup was an ECW World Heavyweight Champion. I, didn't, I thought I mean, he was just the little guy who couldn't quite get there i mean i would say an early one as far as like it becoming what it truly is which has been it's been ecw for a while but we've still seen it leveling up whereas like one of the last longer ecw shows we watched we were like well this is like maybe the best one and we've Mm -hmm. said that a lot of times but we keep saying that yeah we don't say it every time but we keep saying it at a regular pace yeah i agree now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Jimmy Snuka had won the NWA ECW Heavyweight Championship the day before. But on April 26th, 1992, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a longtime member of the territory in Johnny Hotbody would take the title. Johnny Hotbody, born 1963, would break into professional wrestling in 1988 after completing his training at the Monster Factory. He would make a name for himself in several Pennsylvania and New Jersey-based indie promotions before signing with the precursor to ECW 
in Tri-State Wrestling Alliance. In his time with ECW, he would also become the first ever television champion, along with being a three-time tag team champion. Hotbody would hold the heavyweight championship for a few months when a former champion would return for a rematch. Can I ask a question? Always. Who runs the Monster Factory? Anybody of note? It is Danny... Don't you say Spivey. Davis. No. <laughs> I don't think it's... It, it might. Is it Danny Davis? Danny Davis sounds right. Uh, Danny Davis did... Danny Cage. Oh, uh, okay. It okay. runs it now. Yeah. Davis uh, did... It oh, was Larry Sharp. Yeah. Until 2011. So he was a Larry Sharp uh, okay. guy. Yeah, because uh, Danny Davis is the OVW guy with, with with Corny, and I think he's still stuck around post-Corny. Is it the same Danny Davis that was once the referee wrestler Dangerous Danny Davis? Or is this a different Danny Davis? Um, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know. But you could maybe assume, although Danny Davis Danny is a Doring, that was the name that was uh, in my head. Danny Doring? I said Davis, but I think that was his last yeah. name, Doring. I'm trying to remember, like, Lita from her Hall of Fame acceptance speech. She... Someone Doring. I mean, some of the other people that have ever come out of the Monster Factory, uh, Tony Atlas, King Kong Bundy, Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, wow. So it's been around for a hot Raven, Tatanka, some newer ones are... Truth? That's actually where Paul White <laughs> got his start, was at the Monster Factory. Okay. Matt Riddle was there. Um, actually, if uh, there's a documentary on QT Marshall where it shows him and Matt Riddle's there at the same time. Um, there's some other NXT guys that are there. Hmm. But yeah, like it, Monster Factory is one of the more well-known current trainers there are Blue Meanie, QT Marshall are there, um, along with Danny Cage, obviously, who runs the place. Uh, this is a different Danny Davis than the WWF. Danny Davis. This is Nightmare Danny Davis, who was the OVW guy. Nightmare. Because I bet he was a nightmare to be trained by. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, he had his his fingers on, uh, you know, Lesnar and uh, Orton and Batista and... Kinky. And uh, Cena. Yep. So, you know, he did something right. Definitely did. (laughs) Next week... November to Remember, 1995. Will Shane remember to watch the correct show? Shane uh, will. Just <laughs> That one's easier to remember. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> Music from this week's show. ECW's got a new opening theme song. It's Dragula by oh, Rob Zombie. Hey. Through the witches and songs. Gone to a different zombie song, eh? Exactly. Some bitches. Hey. They, they love some zombie. Ran over oh. some sticks and... and what are, what, we we don't have our 5-5 five, five oh. yeah anymore. How are we going to oh, end these I shows? 5-5 five, wow. five, five, yeah is good. <laughs> well, let's hear what Mikey's tune is. And uh, Mikey won our main event, so we're going to play his theme song, Loser, by okay. Beck. Oh. Going to have to get a new song because you're the winner. I know. In the time of chimpanzees, he was a monkey. Try it. And a champion. I mean, I'm trying to think of other. I think I already did spray paint the vegetables. Something, yes, something, did. beefcake, pantyhose. Uh huh. Yeah. Cut the headlights and put it in neutral. Got a parking violation and a maggot on your sleeve. <laughs> We're good. Shave your face <laughs> with some mace in the dark. Mm-hmm. What's the one? Isn't there something about a couch? 
Uh, something about burning down trailer park. Yo! If you like this episode or any of our other ones, go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, Beck lyrics. Recipes. You know, we're going to be back in Philly here very, very, very soon. So uh, I'm, Literally next week. Yeah. Yeah, One time uh, Steve Austin looked over to a friend and said, I think her name's Deborah. The back, the back there. Oh, my, one of my, my favorite back songs. Yeah, we're great songs. But yeah, I'm uh, running short on uh, Philly snacks, so I'm gonna need some more ideas here. Two shows. We're gonna have to start snapping animal crackers in half, sharing. But you can send those to our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O X. Don't be a five star or never stop. Later. We'll talk to you next week.